This episode of the Nerd Up Podcast made possible in part by Eagle Theater. Visit them online at eagletheater.net and by Classic Hits WTYE. Listen online at WTYEFM.com and made possible by proud supporters just like you. Hey, you at home, thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. What kind of stupid show is this? Oh, this is stupid. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. We are two wild and crazy guys. This is not that kind of show. There is nothing more entertaining. Oh, oh that show. You ready to do this? I'm ready. Showtime. Now, come on, baby, tell me who's the nerd. It's time for the Nerd Up Podcast, and here's your pod host, Guilty Wilson. Nerd Up! Welcome to another episode of the Nerd Up Podcast. I'm Guilty Wilson, along with... The guy in the short chair, Tony Collins. <laughs> it is. It's like, he looks like a toddler sitting up at this broadcast table here. Well, if they didn't make this counter so freaking tall <laughs> i'm is, sitting in a normal chair the counter is the abnormal thing well i mean if it, if it were uh, uh you know if you were if you had a bigger chair maybe yeah. taller like you i'm trade, sitting in you want to trade me chairs no oh. <laughs> i don't want to be the short guy <laughs> well you can sit on the stool oh yeah, you no. know you've lost like 30 pounds that stool uh, may actually support you no nah, i'm still uh, i don't think i don't think that. it's going to support me nah, i don't think it would afford, uh, support me either so <laughs> but let's face it those are some dicey stools to begin <laughs> With. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Jesse James Dupree of the band Jackal. I think he'd love those because he cuts them up on stage. Oh, so it wouldn't be much to cut. We can donate. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what are we going to talk about? Oh yeah, we're going to be talking with Todd Black here in a little bit. He's got another project in the works, another Kickstarter that's launched, and uh, actually he's met his goal, so he doesn't really need to promote it. Oh, okay. And so I mean, but we're going to talk to him anyway. His uh, Tokyo. Tokyo Blade Detectives next issue. I think it's issue number six, maybe. I think so. Anyway, so he's got that. We'll talk to him in a moment. And then you and I are going to just talk nerdy stuff. Well, you know, like we said at, uh, last week, last yeah. time we were on, it's been, what, two, three months yeah, since yeah. we, we kind of <laughs> fell off the face of the map. And in that time, we've both watched things. We've both seen things. Yeah. And uh, so we've got some stuff to talk about. Well, I know for this time around, for sure, I mean, two things I want to definitely hit on. And for, one of them is a series on uh, uh, Amazon called The Peripheral with Chloe Grace Moritz just knocking it through that, the roof. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I think they're four or five episodes in now yeah and something to that effect it's just a fun show so we'll talk about that and the other one we're gonna talk about greasy strangler no i'm just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> i can't get tony we to talked about up. that last week yeah we're good oh okay we but talked the, about that with jed but the other one is uh weird the weird owl biopic <laughs> we've got to talk about that the greatest cinematic triumph in human history. <laughs> I would 100% agree, because that thing is so fun. So we'll talk about that, and then maybe what else we kind of veer off into tangents with sure. anyway. So uh, so just stick around. We're going to get with uh, Todd Black, and then uh, after that, like I said, Tony and I are just going to bring up a bunch of nerdy things. And we were already talking this morning. Should we save this for the recording? Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, that's part of the problem, is that maybe by now people are aware that you know we work together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you come in, and we spend an hour mm -hmm. talking about all of the nerdy stuff that we normally talk about right. which and I, i'm thinking you know we could probably if we recorded all of that stuff we could crank out a podcast a day easily easily <laughs> well we normally have, it all starts with did you see this last night and then right. we just go off <laughs> and honestly uh we have you know the typical nerd up podcast type conversations mm -hmm. but we've also had some very deep 
theological oh, yeah. conversations, oh, yeah. some very deep uh, political conversations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's and two or three different podcasts right there. I know we we should start, and we, we haven't got to the point where we can do a true crime true crime podcast yet. But uh, no, but I have a feeling if we wanted to do huh. that, we could bring our our friend uh, Chris Ford in. Oh, Since yeah. he was very excited about the uh, serial killer thing <laughs> they did at Lincoln Trail College. Oh, that's right. They Lincoln a, Trail College had a, a course. Uh, get, get in, yeah, a course of uh, <laughs> the mind of a serial killer. Uh, yeah. And it bothered me a little bit how very enthusiastic Chris was about that particular course. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, okay, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he needs to be on some sort of watch list. <laughs> or maybe start his own podcast. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be right back with some Todd Black. And again, like I said, we're going to talk nerdy, so... Stay tuned. Classic Hits, WTYE. Listen online at WTYEFM.com. Via the TuneIn Radio app. Or say Alexa, play Classic Hits, WTYE. It's all online. Classic Hits, WTYE, with the news that matters to you. Visit WTYEFM.com and follow us on Twitter at WTYE News. The news you trust, the music you love. Classic Hits, WTYE. All right, we're back, but we didn't go anywhere, Tony. Just letting you know. Oh, I went somewhere. <laughs> you did, too, actually. I went to Sleepy Land. <laughs> well, this time around, we've got Todd Black. We're going to talk to him like we promised at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk to him about his uh, latest Kickstarter, which is another issue of Tokyo Blade Detectives. And let me tell you, these things, these are fun little comic books. It's uh, The first run, I guess you're on a new storyline now, but the first run was just so cool. Just as like introducing this whole new world of uh, not lightsabers. You can't say that. <laughs> can't but, say that. <laughs> but these like uh, plasma swords. Plasma swords, and and in a future where you can't have guns, and it's just so cool. And uh, of course, again, more great work from Todd. You've heard, read his comics, uh, Guardians. I see what there's a uh, home. Um, Oh, 10,000 Miles. Yeah, 10,000 Miles. I, I forget about that one. That was like a whole uh, graphic novel rather than a series of books, which right. uh, that was a fun one, too. So, you know, you know, Todd Black, he's got some great stuff. So, Todd, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for coming back to us. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, now, okay, let's let's talk about this. You got uh, again. We're a little. I'm a little late getting you on the podcast because normally we do it before you launch it. But this time around, you're launched. You actually met your goal, but you want to reach some other goals in your uh, in your uh, Kickstarter. But let's talk about this whole Tokyo Blade Detective issue number six. Let's talk. Tell me what's going on in this issue. All right. Well, as you correctly noted in the last issue, we started our official second arc, which I call the contract. It's about uh, Miko and Michio, our, our main characters, get a new client who is being targeted by assassins known as the Ninetales. At the end of the first issue, or the end of issue number five, we uh, met one of these assassins as they attacked the client, and they were barely able to get away. Mm-hmm. And then in issue number six, it's basically an action-packed issue of uh, Miko Michio versus the Ninth Tale, and it's there's going to be a lot of fighting. Yeah. Lots and lots of fighting. I jokingly call this issue the raid after the uh, legendary action movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, hey, it's always good to have action in a comic book, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. and, and now, who's your artist again on this one? Alain Vuvan. Okay, and uh, now... That, there is a reason you made him say that name. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, now, is this the same artist you've been working with through the whole Tokyo Blade Detective run? 
Yes. Okay, I want to make sure about that because it looks like the same art style. So, we wanted to make sure. So now, uh, what? First of all, where did this whole idea? We've talked about it before, but I like to reiterate with the audience. Uh, where did you get this whole idea about sword fighting in in the future? Internet. <laughs> All right, good interview. Thanks for talking to us this morning. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> I wasn't lying, but that's not the full truth. So right. Here's what happened. I was, on, I was on Facebook doom scrolling like, you know, kids my age do. Uh-huh. I'm three. I'm totally a kid. Um, <laughs> and I'm on Facebook, and in one of my comic groups or whatever, there was this post about what would your – anime be like you know where you put like the, the letters of your name and whatever or you pick a number and it, it goes it gives you a name so it was the first letter of your first name the uh first letter of your last name and then the last letter of your first name so t b and d and oh, it's okay. a tokyo tokyo blade detective so i'm like huh. okay and i didn't think about it much and at the time this was about 20 uh 16 or 18 something like that <laughs> and the, the first deadpool movie had dropped its trailer and in the in the trailer there was a line deadpool sounds like a franchise so mm. i put in the comments of that post tokyo blade detectives sounds like a franchise uh. and i i i wrote it i i posted it and i was out I, I didn't think about it i had no aspirations with this thing i was like it sounds like a cool thing i'm happy with it let's just move on and I get a comment on it, and I'm like, who is this guy? And then I go, oh, yeah, I did make that post. And he goes, you know, it actually does sound like a franchise. Why don't you run with it? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I thought about it, and so I'm like, okay, Tokyo, it's in Japan, obviously. Uh, detectives, all right, some mysteries, probably some action. But the blade part, that was throwing me off because there weren't t- detectives in feudal Japan or not in the traditional sense. Right. And I, I thought that this would have to be futuristic to make the blades relevant again, but I'm like, okay, but if it's the future, there's going to be guns everywhere. I mean, like, that's the point of, like, how many sci-fi shows? Is that Right, right, yeah. <laughs> laser pistols and blasters and cannons and such. I'm like, why would the blades be back? And then my mind instantly said, because the guns are outlawed. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, and so I, that's where the line, in, the, in a land where guns are outlawed, only the blade can rule. That's right. And after that, I said that line, like the floodgates of my mind opened up and all of these ideas started coming out. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can't run with it. So I, I literally did something I, I usually never do, which is I, go, I went to Microsoft Word and I typed out every idea that I had. Oh, wow. About, about like the laser, the laser shorts, uh, the five factions, uh, the characters, you know, what the technology was like, why Tokyo banned uh, guns, which you have not addressed yet. Hmm. Uh, and so on and so forth. And by the time I was done, I'm like, crap, that actually is a good idea. <laughs> Wait a minute. That might actually be a franchise. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy enough to work. <laughs> yeah. Now, my, my problem was that at the time, again, like 2016, 2017, 2018, I had other projects I was working on between yeah. 10,000 Miles and uh, one of my other projects, Secrets of Science and all that. Oh, I yeah. didn't have the time or the money to... Like get into this, and so I basically sat on it for about two years, and then finally I, I was like, okay, let's let's get this done. And I'm amazed that we're six issues in and had, like you said, we reached our funding goal for number six, so we'll have six successful Kickstarters with it. 
So I'm I'm thrilled with that, and I'm just happy to keep telling the story. Yeah, and, and you know what? Like I said, the the first four you had that that, that story running through that, and uh, it was just so cool. It was just so fun uh, to explore this futuristic Tokyo, and and again, uh, laser swords, and oh, I mean, just it was just a neat thing. And the artwork, like I said, that that makes a lot for a comic book, and uh, that's. The artwork in that one, they, it just looked like some really cool villains. At the same time, the heroes were almost normal until they were really kicking ass. And then it was like, ooh, that's a good hero right there. Well, and the and the, the art style is very bright, very vivid, very mm-hmm. futuristic mm-hmm. and kind of neon, mm-hmm. which uh, lends itself to some very cool uh, action set pieces. And that would be one of my questions. You talk about this uh, being uh, maybe much more action-oriented or full of a lot of action. When it comes to your part of of putting together a comic, how much writing is there for you when it comes to an action scene? Or do you just write an uh, action scene and then hand it over to the illustrator to then uh, decide what that looks like? No, that's a good that's a good question. It's, it's actually one that that matters in uh, certain ones that are more action oriented. It really depends on the page. Uh, for example, when I had to do this issue, I did a few issues, a few pages of setup, which you can see on the Kickstarter. And then once I got into the action, I had to make it so that it didn't feel the same every time. So I'm like, okay, this fight is Miko and the Nine Tails going at it, and then this one is Mishio going after the Ninth Tail, and then this one is Miko and Mishio going after him. And I had to keep, I had to spell that out so that my artist Lam Vuvan could understand where we were going. And then the other thing which ties into the plot of the issue is that they're trying to get their client Satoshi to an escape room, uh, like an actual escape room, not like the puzzle room. Uh, that would be weird. <laughs> Hilarious. It'd be interesting. I mean, hey, let's lock the villain in our safe room and see if he can figure his way out. <laughs> it's uh-huh. like, what do you mean? I, what do you mean? I have to know the history of Japan. I just know my history. Anyway, so, I have to I have to choreograph things so that you know they're going through the building to get to this one point and because of that I have to you know label the settings like in one room I say that they're in a kind of a futuristic like tube room where you know everything's going through pneumatic tubes and they're hiding behind them trying to get uh, you know some breathing room from the ninth tail and that allows him to sneak up on one of them it creates a really cool shot and then other times if it's just a straight up action page within a singular room I'll say okay you have five panels see what you can do here i like to give my artists freedom when they when the opportunity calls for it but then other times i'll go you know i need to have like this happen here this happen here um like i'm gonna i'll tell you a a small spoiler someone gets put through a wall Mm. (laughs) like actually through a wall and i made sure that it looked the way it needed to to actually be believable because it it takes effort to put someone through a wall not that i would know this from experience (laughs) yeah i was gonna say how'd you know this how many walls did you try to throw yourself through uh (laughs) when when trying to figure this out oh i'm I'm hurt tony you'd think i would injure myself He had victims. I, he had other people throw themselves through a wall. I, I, I won't go through de- into further details because of statue of limitations. Anyway, <laughs> right. uh, but I have to think about this these kinds of things so that uh, like so that Lom doesn't say do a, a scene where it it will clash with something that comes later in the comic or doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So at times I'll I'll spell out what I'm looking for and then let him fill in the blanks like uh, Mik- Michio and Nine Tails clash here 
next panel they're clashing a different way but the nine tails is looking because he knows miko is gone and that will give the picture and he can draw that then other times it's like okay we got a fight scene here for five panels just show them going up and down a staircase draw it how you want and then he'll go off, he'll go at it nice. well, so, and, I, and i think that's i think that's fantastic that first you have a real collaborative type uh weight of doing things when you're working with your illustrator working with your artist but also you're keeping in mind that the action scenes aren't just there to be action scenes they're still working to drive the narrative forward yes like that and that was another thing is that like even if you think about the raid the raid is an action movie but there's a point to it it's not just random hey these guys are fighting these guys that wouldn't you know make any sense right but yeah uh so i had to have uh, the same feeling with my with my action scenes. Otherwise, it would just be gratuitous. And while I don't mind a gratuitous action scene, I love John Wick. Um, I, I still want. I need it to make sense. Otherwise, it would kind of dilute the plot. Which is, you know, they're trying to protect their client while fighting off this assassin, which is not an easy thing. Right. Really? <laughs> well, it's been my experience, Gil, that when you're fighting off assassins, uh-huh. it is difficult to protect your client at the same time. Oh, well, okay, okay. But okay. that's my experience. <laughs> your, your mileage may vary. <laughs> and apparently it's Todd's experience, too. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, again, uh, that's the one thing about these books. I, I've, I've read your other comics as well. And, like, your Guardians, those, those two super – there's some action in those for sure. But nothing has topped what you're doing in this Tokyo Blade Detectives uh, uh, comic books. Uh, the the action in this is just just cool as hell for one thing. Well, I think there has to be action in something like this. I'd be yeah. pissed if they were carrying around laser sword, plasma based swords, <laughs> yeah, and not and doing anything, not doing anything with them, <laughs> just cutting cakes and toast. And <laughs> right. <laughs> true, but uh, but this one is very action heavy, and that's one thing I really appreciate about this run is that again, it's it's when you start, you you got to. I mean, yeah, in the intro and the first couple issues i mean you had to you know you had to build characters but then once the action started you didn't let go so yeah and i'm sure again this one with the way the last issue uh issue number five ended i'm like i just know that this next one is gonna be nothing but fight scenes (laughs) well pretty pretty close okay cool (laughs) cool i gotta have a little setup because i I have to well yeah this this is only issue two of four of the arc so i have two more to go and i need to make sure there's uh, there's relevant action in the next one but that uh but that, I think that's what kind of also pissed me off about the last one. was like, oh, man, you left me hanging. I was ready to see something. That's <laughs> called a cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I hate those. <laughs> yeah, that uh, binge watching has spoiled us for cliffhangers. That's exactly right? right. We no longer have to live with cliffhangers. We can just go, fuck that. I'll watch the next episode. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this time I have to wait for Todd to write a new uh, comic. So uh, Now, uh, now you, how far? You said you got four issues for this storyline? Yeah, every one of my arcs for Tokyo is going to be four issues. How many uh, arcs do you plan on doing? Do you have any of that in mind yet? As many as possible. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So this is one that you're just running with. This is going to be one of those. Yeah. That this you- is going to be. This is going to be like Guardians, where I had like you know 20 issues and then I paused to do the others. Well, this one I'm doing about the same thing. Okay. Where I'm going to do an arc. Then I'll pause it. Then I'll do another arc. Then I'll pause it and just go from there. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and your Guardians comics too, by the way. If it, people aren't in, uh, familiar yet with Todd Black's uh, previous work, Guardians is these two superheroes or two guardians that are sent to the city to protect it, and eventually the city like, ah, oh, we don't need these guys, and then find out they do need those guys, and, they, and it's just a great storyline about good evil and what almost politics as well and so yeah i mean and then you got uh home which is the girl uh who just didn't belong in the world she was in 
and found a home for in another world. And I don't know. I'm, I'm giving vague descriptions of your comics because I want people to read them. Right. Well, and on that note, for the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, there are multiple rewards where you can get all the comics that I have made in the past, including Guardians, Home, 10,000 Miles, and some nice. of my other more recent books like Thunderosa. So yeah, that's that's one thing you're always good at. When uh, whenever you do a Kickstarter, for no matter what the title is, you always have your past titles available somehow, some way. Let's talk about the reward tiers on this Kickstarter. You've got, uh, uh, I'm sure you got some kind of digital ones. Of course. All right. Well, actually, uh, I'm going to let you do the talk. Just guide us through what your uh, uh, what your tiers are on this Kickstarter. What people can get involved with and how they can get the comic. Fair enough. So. I, I like, as you know, to Gil, I, I like to have a wide range of award, rewards for uh, various tiers. And for those of you who've never done Kickstarter, what you do is you pledge a certain amount, and then if we get funded at the end of a certain period, so for me it's by the end of the month, uh, you will get charged for that, and then you'll get a reward based on what you pledge. So, for example, if you pledge three dollars to the Kickstarter, you can get a digital copy of Tokyo Blade Detectives Number Six. Mm-hmm. If you pledge Uh, $10, you have a couple options like getting a physical copy of the book, which I know a lot of people want. They don't, they don't want digital and it's fine. I offer both sides. Mm -hmm. If you're new to the series, which I'm sure many of you listening are, um, the $10 reward, we have a different $10 reward where you can get all five issues, sorry, all six issues of the comic digitally. Mm. So we, I let you catch up on the whole series for just ten dollars. So it's six issues for ten bucks. That's a that's honestly a good deal. Yeah, and if you're into digital comics, I mean, uh, that's that's a great deal because first of all, you get all the stories. So I mean, right there. Yeah. So you won't you won't miss a thing. And then the one I was talking about is my fifteen dollar reward. Well, one of them, mm-hmm. and it's the super digital reward where you get every single major book that I've released that I can release mm-hmm. uh, sent to you. So that's all of Guardians. That's twenty issues. Home is five. Uh, 10,000 Miles is a one-shot graphic novel. You also get my Thunder Rosa comics, which is three issues, and a few other things. So you're getting well over a couple dozen books for $15 digitally. Wow, wow. Yeah. Well, and I think it's I think it's fantastic that we live in a world now where you are able to do this independently. You know, uh, whether we're talking with uh, last time uh, on the podcast, we talked to Jed Bryant, independent filmmaker. Uh, You know, we're talking to an independent comic guy now. And it's fantastic that you no longer really have to have the backing of major publishing houses, major studios to uh, get your vision out into the world. Yeah. And and, and that's one thing uh, with you, Todd, you've got. Uh, again, with your, if you look back at all the different titles you've got, uh, uh, you've got a whole plethora. I like that's my new word of the day, by plethora. the way. Somebody's <laughs> using their toilet paper. <laughs> and, and you've got a whole plethora of subject matter. You know, like Tokyo Blade Detective, maybe that wouldn't appeal to somebody. You know, I don't like action film. Well, all right, well, how about Guardians where they're, oh, well, I just don't like superhero. Well, how about Home where the, it's like, you know, and then 10,000 Miles, which is about two brothers. And, uh, I mean, just, you've got a great range of uh, different subject matter in your stories. You even write regular novels, right? Yeah, I write Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. I actually just completed my sixth book. It's currently at the editor Gee. right now. Gee. So, yeah. Are there any way that those are in the uh, Kickstarter, or just uh, does that <laughs> me hopeful? No, no, they're, they're in there. They're in the $15 reward. Oh, nice. Okay. The, the super digital reward. Uh-huh. So, uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, so keep going. What other, uh, other tiers? That, that couldn't be the, all the tiers that you got, is it? Or is it? <laughs> is it? I wouldn't get funded if that was the case. Yeah, I know, right? 
Damn it, Gil, he already gave you everything he has. <laughs> I want more. want more. <laughs> Dang it, Gil! Uh, uh, we, we, have, we have more. There is a tier where you can get your name into the thank you section of the page. That's for $15. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, for, for all of you who prefer physical comics and you still want to catch up on the series, we have a tier where you can get all six issues sent to you physically, mm-hmm. uh, including the first four issues in the uh, trade paperback version, oh, which wow. I know a lot of people let me uh, let me save you a little time. Gil wants to get to the tier that gets his face in one of your comics. That's the tier he's looking for. I, I know Gil likes that tier. Um, <laughs> yes, we do have the get drawn into the comic tier. Ah, one. good. It's fifty dollars, mm-hmm. uh, but it will be worth it. Not to mention, I have an absolutely hilarious place to put all the cameos this time around. Oh, really? Which was not easy because last. <laughs> Last issue, we had some open spaces and shots where I could, you know, put all the cameos. At the entire book, outside of one scene, takes place in a building, like one building that I've already established isn't fully populated at the time that they're there. And so I'm like, <laughs> um, how do I put the cameos? Because I need the cameos. That's like my biggest Kickstarter reward. Like, people yeah. love that. And it makes me a lot of money. But I'm like, how do I get you know them in there and then i'm like well what's an action scene without a a brief interlude that makes you wonder what the heck is going on Uh, and i figured out how to make it work and still tie into the action so when it happens they're like rooftop pool party (laughs) you can draw gill in a speedo (laughs) no (laughs) no i'm even Uh, upset about that you should be. <laughs> well, no, and that's one thing. Yeah, seriously, that uh, that is a cool thing to be done. And again, as you know, Todd, I've been drawn into several of your comics because I, that's that's where I pledge on the Kickstarter because I I like that feature. I like to see your different artists as they try to portray me. Like I, I think like three or four different artists have done me in one of your comic books or drawn me. Yeah, I was gonna Shush. say. Do you, do you want to rephrase that? <laughs> I saw Tony look up real quick and I'm like, uh. but no, I've had yeah, I have been been uh, three or four different artists actually in your books and it's just a cool thing for me but anybody else in the world is like and how much i mean like right now my resume says star of stage film radio and comic books and it's true <laughs> well I, gil i don't even think you realize how accurate you are because mm. if you recall about a year or so ago i asked for some volunteers to be stars in my one of my next comic books take the house yeah yeah and we're making that book right now. Oh, okay. So, I'm really close to your introduction page, so I will let you know when we're there, so that you can see uh, how you look at it. Oh, nice! I'm looking forward to that now. Yeah, I mean the ones that you've had me in. Like there's one time I think I did it for the whole podcast back when we had all the gang uh, on the nice. whole podcast. Uh, that one was like that was so cool just to be able to see the guys in there and it's like look guys you're in a comic book and uh i don't know it's just a neat thing and i think that's one of the best tiers and again that's for me a lot of people may like, i don't want to be in a comic book so but they got other methods but i love that version or that I tier. You, i will warn you gil that if you want to pledge it for this kickstarter you're gonna have to hurry because we had 10 spots and now we only got two really well i knew you met your goal fast i didn't know that <laughs> want to like pledge right now i'm just <laughs> <laughs> i'm recording a podcast right now so i can't multitasking <laughs> gill all right i'll be looking into that <laughs> i can't not now picture gill in a little uh anime Say. girl outfit <laughs> little sailor moon type no. skirt, you know <laughs> 
No, no. All right. <laughs> I got. And by the way, Todd, I'll have you know that uh, uh, the pages that have me in them, they're hanging up at the studio here at uh, here at this radio station where we record the podcast from. So your artwork or your comic book work, I should say, not your artwork necessarily, your writing, uh, but they're hanging on the walls here at the radio station. I appreciate that, Gil. And it's just so, you know, people are like, what are these comic book pages up here? Oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. Oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me. So, uh, all right. Sorry, so, I, so yeah, I want so, to talk about one more reward tier. Do what? Um, what was that again? I, I want to talk about one more reward tier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Uh, I offer technically two rewards to help people make their own comic books. That's right, yeah. Uh, I offer a portfolio review kind for a script that they're looking over, they want to make, and then another one I, I walk them through step by step on how to take their idea, make a script, find an artist, and if they want me to, help them make a Kickstarter. So if anyone out there has is interested or knows someone who's interested in maybe making comics, that reward tier is for you. All right. Yeah, exactly. And I know that you've done this on several of your Kickstarters that you're always eager to help out another fledgling uh, comic book author, artist, whatever the case may be. And uh, I, I know that's one thing I really appreciate about you is that you, uh, you're you out there to help people, not just, you know, make your own comics, but you're, out, you're, you're willing to help people. You do yeah, that I at, was, you uh, at Comic-Cons, too. I've seen you in action. <laughs> right. Uh, as you know, uh, Gil, I, I am good friends with Brian K. Morris, uh-huh. and he was my comic book mentor uh, when I was still trying to figure things out. And so I, he's like, you know, you should just repay the kindness to others you meet. And after a few years when I had my experience uh, built in, I, I, I do that. So yeah. with these Kickstarters and with the Comic-Con appearances, uh, if I meet someone who was trying to – I held a panel at Planet Comic-Con last, uh, earlier – no, yes, earlier this year mm-hmm. – uh, about making comics and i had like 20 some odd people in there and i'm like oh my gosh people want to listen to me <laughs> <laughs> i know isn't that a weird feeling i mean not, not just not oh, like, yes. whenever you people look up to you like okay give me advice and you're like uh, oh really i was just in your position not too long ago yeah frankly i panic anytime i have somebody go oh i listen to you on the radio oh shit what did i say <laughs> yeah <laughs> i typically I'm my so pad my pad responses to apologize for whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I understand that. But, yeah, uh, and and I'm glad you brought up Brian K. Morris's name because yeah, he's he's definitely one of those guys that is always helping people out too. So uh, I I can see where you got it. You got it from a good source, so makes yeah. sense. And I'm glad you do it because again, there's people out there like oh, I'd love. To. In fact, my I've got a nephew right now who's uh, who's an artist, and he's he reached out to me. He goes, Hey, do you know how I can make money doing this? <laughs> and I said, Well, I got some people. Let me introduce you. Uh, so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are just starting and maybe got the idea. Like, I mean, again, with your uh, stray idea of, you know, TBD, <laughs> that's going to be a comic book. Who knows what it's going to be yet? I mean, and then it built into this. I mean, there's people that don't know where the ideas come from, and that's where you can come in and help and say they can come from everywhere. <laughs> that's exactly right. And anyone who knows my long-term history, I've gotten inspiration from television shows, mm-hmm. uh, it's my own comics experiences. That's where Guardians came from. Home was because of a mini uh, was because of a competition I wanted to be in, but they said it can't be a long form series, so I had to turn it into a mini series, which totally changed the idea. Ten Thousand Miles was inspired by Scooby Doo. What really? Yeah, there was there's an episode where the where the, the gang gets lost and they have a sign. It's broken on the side of the road, and Fred goes, "Hey Shaggy, what does it say?" And Shaggy goes, like it says China, 10,000 miles that away. Because <laughs> it's pointing straight down. Uh-huh. And, and I always remembered that joke. Because, like, oh, yeah, ten, China, 10,000 miles that away. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I can work with that. 
And that one, by the way, that 10,000 Miles, is such a sweet story about two brothers that just, they they do what they want to do. They dig their way to China. And uh, they, they all, as a kids, that's what they wanted to do. And then they got older and like, well, we better do it. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 great. it's a great story, man. That's a great one. I like to, like you said, I like to write different genres because even though I know some people have those, their specialties, um, mm-hmm. I, pref- I, I love all, all genres, or almost all genres. And I, when I have an idea for one, I don't want to limit myself. Um, that's what I actually did early in my career by just doing superheroes because I'm like, surely my superhero stories will be enough to carry me through my career. <laughs> and, and, you- then, and then I was like, no, I need, I need to branch out more. That way I'm not limited. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have Home and 10,000 Miles and Guardian – or sorry, uh, Five Bullets, Six Men and Thunder Rosa and Tokyo and all these. And the more that I've got working on right now. So yeah. I'm – to have done so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, okay, I got to ask you this. It's totally, completely off off the wall here, but okay. you got your uh, your uh, Sherlock Holmes books. They're kind of a young Sherlock Holmes stories. Uh, what made you want to do those? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> really? Okay, kind of. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I grew up liking Sherlock. I, I actually remember reading some of the original mysteries in my English classes, and then the show Elementary came on with uh, Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBS, that was a great show. I, I binged that recently on Hulu. It was great. And then I kept hearing about Benedict Cumberbatch's BBC Sherlock. Oh, and yeah. I, I didn't have BBC. And then I found out about BBC America. And then I found out that Netflix had it. And so I'm like, okay. And it, the, the the format was totally new to me, like three episodes a season. Like, right, yeah. Like, so that threw me off. But as I was watching it, just the acting and the writing, I was like, you know, m- much like how many of my ideas go, I go, what if they did this in the storyline? And for me, it was what if there was a swordsman that met Sherlock Holmes in mm-hmm. modern day London? What would that be like? And so I was like, I w- kind of want to write. And I hadn't, I hadn't done like a pure novel at this right. time. And so I'm like, can I write a Sherlock Holmes book? And so – you know, that's why God made Google. And <laughs> I was like, can I write Sherlock Holmes books? And it's public domain. I had no idea. And in wow. fact, the judge that ruled that it's public domain is was right here in Illinois. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so cool. And so I'm like, holy crap. Now, there were some limitations, like later books by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle were copyrighted by the family. That's why you can't say that Sherlock Holmes is a beekeeper in a book unless you get their clearance. But I'll be darned. I know, right? Everything else, Sherlock, Watson, Mary, Moriarty, all of them, Irene Adler, you can you can have fun with them mm. and make your own stories as long as you don't dabble into certain things. And I don't. So mm, Right. Well, I mean, how many issues I mean how many uh uh Sherlock Holmes novels you got out again? I got five published five. on right now and then I just finished my sixth one. Okay. So yeah, I mean apparently you're you're doing good enough to, you know, keep putting more out. So <laughs> apparently yeah. apparently they haven't caught you doing anything wrong yet, so yeah, I'm just I'm caught. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I've I've got a couple of those on my Kindle, by the way. And I, I read through the Swordsman one. Uh, that was, the, of course, the first one. That I think I actually got a yeah. I've got a hard copy. I bought it from you from one of the cons that I saw you at one time, and I got a hard copy of that book. But the others I got a couple on the my Kindle. That I gotta get to. Right. <laughs> So, all right, well, Todd, you know we're getting coming close to the end of this segment, but uh, I want to definitely give you a chance to. Pimp yourself out, if you will. Uh, let us know where to find you on Kickstarter, where to find you otherwise, and let people know how to get in touch with you. Okay. 
Um, for the Kickstarter, just go to uh, kickstarter.com and look up Tokyo Blade Detectives number six. You'll see the active campaign. Uh, pledge what you can. If it's a dollar, we thank you. If it's more than that, that's fine. Thank you. Uh, like I said, we have already reached our funding goal. I'm just trying to get to 100 backers, so every pledge helps. Mm-hmm. If you want to reach me on social media, uh, I'm on Twitter for now uh, at at Guardians. <laughs> for now, I just now got that. <laughs> Thank. You. I was wondering what laughing was. Uh, I'm at Guardians underscore Comic. That's also my handle for Instagram, which I'm trying to do better at. Uh, I'm also on Amazon. I have a store page where I have uh, Guardians Home, Ten Thousand Miles, Sherlock, uh, the first volume of Tokyo in, in, in digital version. And it, that's it for the Amazon store. But I am there if you want to buy my books. And then I will be doing Comic Cons, including one this weekend at Grand Rapids oh. Comic Con in Michigan. Okay. So. All right. Well, uh, it might be too late for me to get to that one. But I'm also trying to get you to come. To, we're revitalizing the Nerd Con, and I'm trying to work it out so I can get you to come to the, that one. We're working on our dates figured out, and, and, and uh, I know what dates you're available for. So it's like we're trying to work it around. But I'm trying to get you back in Robinson, Illinois for Nerd Con, and uh, that'll be cool to have you back for that. Yeah, if you get the right date, I will be there. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing. You guys get busy around that time of year, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, you had two dates, and one of them, and both of them were coinciding with different cons, and like, yep. crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the third one is like, I can do this one, so now I'm trying to make sure who else can be there. We want to get as many people. doesn't have to be everybody, but as many people as we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Todd Black, everyone. Find him on uh, Kickstarter Pledge for Tokyo Blade Detectives uh, number six, and uh, get this guy. Uh, up to a hundred at least, at least a hundred. You can go more than that, by the way. We can have more than a hundred. <laughs> He's met his goal, but he he just wants numbers. He he likes. Uh, uh, well, there's a nice symmetry to having a hundred yeah. backers on all of your. Yeah. So you got to get that symmetry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, now I'm I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see the next one what happens. And uh, uh, Todd, definitely I want to get you back. And again, when I we get the NerdCon, hopefully you can make it for that one. Hopefully we'll get that date that you can come in because I definitely want you to come back to Robinson. <laughs> I appreciate it, Gail. All right. So uh, anything else you want to push out and let everybody know about? Um. No, Tokyo. Tokyo is the main thing for now, but maybe next time I'll talk about Take the House more and some of the other projects I got going. Yeah, you got me curious on that for sure. So, okay. <laughs> All right, Todd. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, that does it for this section of the Nerd Up podcast. We're going to be back. Tony and I are going to talk about, uh, let's see, we're going to talk about Peripheral and uh, we're going to talk about the Weird Al movie. I think we got to talk about that. Yeah, it's awesome. It's it's a cinematic piece of gold. So yeah. that's coming up uh, in a little bit. So a stick around. Cinematic Wait, masterpiece. Yeah. Cinematic piece of gold. I heard it was weird. Oh, it's that too. <laughs> and that's what makes it a cinematic masterpiece. Yes. I don't know if they got the joke, ladies and gentlemen. No, uh, wait. <laughs> what? What? No, I don't. <laughs> I, I, said, I said you called it a cinematic piece of gold. I heard it was weird. Oh. Weird Al? Yeah, no, we got that. No, we got that. We, yeah, Todd, oh. we got it, Todd. Yeah. Gil's the king of dad jokes, so. Yeah. You didn't make me groan enough on that one. Fair enough. Once again, thanks a lot, Todd. Good talking to you, and we'll get you back on there. So stick around. We'll be back with some more Nerd Up Podcast right after this. Prepare to be terrified. Lawford County Productions presents the unlisted owner director's cut. Featuring nine minutes of never-before-seen footage. Out now via Amazon Streaming and coming soon to Blu-ray and DVD. You've been warned. You've been warned.
Alright, welcome back. I mean, we nobody really went anywhere, I guess. <laughs> now, well... That's just a thing that... It's an old I think radio our listeners thing. did. Yeah, they might have. They, they went to go take a potty break or <laughs> hit, the fa- the- hit the fast-forward button. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the hell are these guys talking about? <laughs> but I like... It's, a, it's an old radio thing, and I, you know, I've been doing radio like 400 years, and... Uh, well, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's right up there with, hey, we're broadcasting live. As opposed to broadcasting dead. dead. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it's one of those things that you get stuck with. I've so. I, I've broadcast dead though. Uh, have you? Yeah, the morning after election coverage. I'm usually drag assing <laughs> in here. You know, I was at the station until uh-huh. ten o'clock. You come are. in at three o'clock the following morning. <laughs> I kind of broadcast dead. Yeah, I, you know what? I would. I I saw you that day. So yeah. I was like, hmm, whoo, he's rough. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was a hell of a day to run out of coffee supplies. I know, right? <laughs> Lucky you have that here, but I, you know. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about nerdy stuff. Yes, let's not let's talk do about it. elections. <laughs> no, let's not talk about elections. Uh, let's first of all, let's talk about the peripheral. It's a it's a fairly fairly new series on Amazon Prime. For those of you that you know have Amazon Prime, it's worth it. That's one of the reasons to keep Amazon Prime. Absolutely, uh, and you know Amazon Prime is fantastic about doing that mm. every time. <laughs> I go, you know what? What the hell do I use Amazon Prime for? There's nothing on it I ever watch. Then, oh, here's a new season of The Expanse. Mm. Oh, here's The Peripheral, you know, stuff like that. So uh, Amazon Prime is good about that, dangling just enough carrots out there. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, just when you start, they, I think they know. I think when, they, well, when I you mean, do that. It, it makes a smart business model. It's like Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time I think I'm going to dump Netflix, I get interested in a new Netflix series. <laughs> yeah. Well, I already dumped Netflix, and every time since I've done that, I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had that now. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I get a lot of dirty looks when I go, oh, hey, did you watch the new thing on that never mind yeah but the peripheral it starts uh, actually stars i think she's a nerd queen basically chloe grace moret she's been in in the in the nerd nerdosphere the nerdosphere that's <laughs> ever right. since she did uh, kick ass and yeah. she and she kicked ass in that movie and, and she kicks ass in this series too oh yeah she does you know that's one of the things we were talking about uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that you and i have a tendency to uh talk about stuff even when we're not doing the podcast, we right, talk right. about nerdy stuff. And that's one of the things I mentioned earlier when we were talking is I appreciate everybody's character in the peripheral yeah. because they don't necessarily seem to fit into the cookie cutter. She's not a damsel in distress. Yep. Her brother is not just a maniacal douchebag. You know, uh, they're both. She kicks ass. He kicks ass. He says mean things to her. She says mean things right to him. Right back, yeah. So it, it feels very, uh, to me, feels very real. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's set in the near future. I think, what, uh, 30, 2030, somewhere yeah, around there? Yeah, 2030 seems like a, uh, about the timeline. And then um, well, yet it also takes place in the 2090s, 2070s. And- yeah, it's, it's one of those. Now, <laughs> I will say, and you and I have talked about this uh, many times, <laughs> I get a little wound up in when it comes to time travel in movies. Mm-hmm. Time travel bothers me yeah in in some regard <laughs> yeah, <it> does <laughs> particularly if they don't set up if they set up rules and then they don't follow the rules they set up i have a real issue with that now i think one of the great things that peripheral does in the way that it sidesteps that issue is it is time travel but it's not a physical time travel right it is sort of a data transfer yeah, exa- yeah. mental uh, time travel, which yeah. is an interesting concept, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, because it's it's basically they're they're they've received this. Um, uh, there's the, well, he tests out equipment. And yeah, she's, VR. He tests out VR headsets, gaming and equipment, gaming stuff. gaming stuff, and then they get this new they get this new headset. 
that is uh, got a questionable provenance, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 well, he says it just comes from Colombia. That's all he really knows yeah. about it. And they're like, oh yeah, Colombia. That's that legit. seems legit. <laughs> but uh, it's and and what they do is like basically she. He he gets it to test, but everybody knows in this universe of, that they're in that she's the badass when right. it comes to gaming, and she proves that they're playing right, right at the beginning. They're playing some game where they're supposed to go get something from the Nazis or whatever. And again, it's just a video game, right. but you're part of it, fully immersive, kind of like if you think uh, Ready Player One along that immersive type play. And anyway, she goes and she just totally kicks ass, just like what she did in the movie Kick yeah, Ass, just like, it. <laughs> and just wins the game. And uh, then so. so he gets her to try this peripheral item, um, which she becomes a peripheral. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. But, you know, she becomes uh, in this game, and it, this game is, like, super real. Right. And she can't figure out. She's this is awesome. And she, In fact, she plays it the first time. Put me back in. She wants to go back in and, you know, and come to find out there's people from the future that are manipulating the timeline, creating a different timeline and uh, called a stub. And uh-huh. I don't know where it's going to go, but it's looking cool. Well, and that's the thing. I, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. And, and the way they get around the time travel shenanigans, the particular MacGuffin, if you will, of this show, is that in the future, they have things called peripherals, which right. are essentially uh, very realistic-looking androids. And, yep. and then when you put this headset on in the past, your consciousness is downloaded into your future peripheral. Uh-huh. And... And the hilarity ensues. And, and honestly, you know, <laughs> yeah. being four or five well, episodes into it, that's really all the further I, you know, you don't really know where it's going to go. You don't. So you can't. So I can't not, really speak much more than that. If they are dropping hints, they're very subtle. Right. But it's but the thing about it is it's such a fun watch. Because each time they go into the peripheral, something different happens. Or each time she goes into the peripheral, it right. uh, looks like they're getting ready to get some more people in the peripheral. I don't know. Well, ho- hopefully we'll find out. But it drops every Friday on Amazon. And I just look forward to it every single yeah. time. It's just like, that's a gr- yeah, it's a great I, show. I, I got to admit, you've had some questionable suggestions uh, <laughs> over the years. Greasy Strangler. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is one that uh, I, I have really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... It's probably one of the few things I'm watching that isn't somehow related to Star Trek. So <laughs> right. it, it gets me out of my Star Trek, you know. Yeah. Well, you notice, I don't know if you notice, but most of the time when I recommend something to you and it turns out to be something that either irritates you or whatever, or your wife, yeah, it's always time travel. You notice yeah. I recommend all these time travel. I know, <laughs> you know, uh, because, uh, because I, love how you I, deal I with tend it. to overthink, I, and I do. I'll be the first to admit, I t- if there is time travel in it, I start to overthink stuff. In fact, uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, speaking of Star Trek, uh-huh. <laughs> I recently uh, watched it or tried to watch it uh, and yeah. started to overthink all of the time travel <laughs> in it. And, and I get that it's an alternate timeline, the Kelvin timeline and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I understand what they're trying to do, but I'm going, yeah, but <laughs> well, but wouldn't well, that, see, but if he. <laughs> well, see, that's what whenever it came to time, to, I'm like, I watched the first episode of this, and I'm like, oh god, Tony's got to watch this. I'm like, oh, there's going to be some time travel, and he's not going to like it. He's going to be mad at me, and I'm like, I'm telling him anyway because I'm going to make him mad. But, uh, but well, and that's I, I'm interested to see how it plays out, given that it's not a physical time travel. Yeah. So by making it a not physical time travel, you in theory eliminate some of the weird 
grandfather paradox yeah. things that are kind of inherent when telling time travel stories. Well, what they do is they create a stub of time where it's like it offshoots what the normal timeline would have right. done. And, and kind of like a lo- what, Loki, was that the one yeah. where they had the branches yeah, of time? Pruned, yeah, yeah. The, uh, TVA pruned the branches yeah. of the, the time. And that's what they're creating their own stubs or branches or, you know, but they call them stubs on this one and they are in charge of the stub. And it's looking pretty interesting. It's look like, it looks like, this is a total guess on my part, but uh, it looks like what it is is like rich people can create their own stub and live however they want. Well, that's kind of the way it. That's kind of the way it seems. And if I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a wild uh, softball pitch out there. All right. I think that Chloe's character mm-hmm. leads to the destruction of the world. Oh. See, right now she's kind of traveling into the future. Mm-hmm. To try to figure out and what they can do to avoid, mm-hmm. but everybody's been real dodgy about what her past actually looks like. Yeah, you know, from their perspective, it would be her in the past. Yeah. So yeah. my thinking is she is the direct cause of what happened. In- something that you know, the thing that kicks off the first stub or Well, yeah, something. like the first, when they open up the the series, like the first scene is like from the future and it looks like a pretty dismal future. You yeah. Know? Like no people hardly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then here's well, where and I, they call it, they call it the jackpot. We have yes, made it to yes. that point. They call it the jackpot in that it wasn't one single thing that led to the downfall yeah. of humanity. It was a perfect storm of, you know. Elections, uh, <laughs> pandemics. Yeah, a pandemic. Uh... <laughs> Crop failure, uh, yeah. you know, uh, some sort of insect yeah, thing, infestation. Things that are happening now. Yeah, <laughs> and that's part of it. It's a fun show to watch, but you also go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's that's hitting a little close to home. And, and the thing I like about it is, like, the rich guy that, like, seems to be running things, he, they investigated his family at her time. She said something about they were horribly all killed. And, he, and when they told him that, he's like... Like, like he was like, I know. Yeah. That's why I did this. But he didn't say it. And that's why I'm thinking it's rich people can just create their own stuff yeah. and do whatever they want now. But again, we don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. But yeah. It is it's, cool. it's been a, it's been a very fun, very fun watch. And, you know, uh, how can you how can you hate on something where you get to just watch Chloe uh, run around and. Spectacular and badass. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, all kinds of cool stuff. The, the thing that made us love her from the first time when yeah. in the movie Kick Ass, she's still doing. And that. there's just a ton of very sci-fi, oh yeah, techy stuff that is futuristic, but not so futuristic that you don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things like they had the they had uh, a Hit Squad that mm-hmm. showed up in yeah, basically invisible cars. Yep. And but the technology that they use to make the cars invisible is very real world esque technology that you know is light refraction and yeah, yeah. you know LED screens on one side, cameras on the other, and that kind of exactly. So it, it kind of you kind of buy it as near future tech. And then you get her brother, who's a, a marine, but in the future marines where they are again, they're set in the like twenty thirties, I think, somewhere around there. Anyway, they have these things called haptics, and if you remember haptic suits from Ready Player One, right. it's kind of the same idea, but these are implants that the all the Marines all become one unit. Yeah. I mean literally one unit and they can all see what each other's seeing, do what each other's doing, and it's it's a cool system and it's like again, it's like that's not too far away. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like uh, you know, and that's I think some of the best sci-fi in the world is the stuff that 
Yeah. Sounds uh, that's plausible. Yeah, I, I could do I'd that. Buy that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, now, having said that, back in 1989, 1990, when we first saw Star Trek: Next Generation and Wesley Crusher's running around with a stack of little thin notebooks, Kindles, yeah, Kindles or <laughs> iPads. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. You think, oh well, that's never going to happen. That's ridiculous. <laughs> or the giant TV on the wall. Yeah. That's like super duper thin. Yeah. They're never going. Oh, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> we got them. So yeah, and again, it's it's, it's legit uh, sci-fi, a uh, little time travel. And just a whole lot of fun. I mean, I mean, all the characters in it. Uh, Jack Rayner, by the way, he plays her brother Burton, and uh, he was in the movie Transformers: Age of Extinction. Okay. And I was like, cause I'm sitting there watching this. I'm like, where have I seen this guy before? <laughs> where? And then there's this one scene where she goes in uh, to first test the thing out, and she goes in, and it's set up for him. So the peripheral is his image, and she goes in there, and she does. Well, he does like these gymnastics moves. I'm like. This guy must be super talented or really good at stunts because, yeah. and and it's like it kind of looks like a woman had done those stunts, but at the same time it's him. Oh, he's a marine. Well, I, but it works. Yeah, it's there's some times where you're like, what? Okay, that works. But yeah, I mean, it's it, I would highly recommend this to anybody, especially if you're a sci-fi fan. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and again, they had me at Chloe Grace Moretz. So well, and it's and beyond <laughs> beyond the sci-fi of it, there is a really great mystery. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. kind of unfolding. Yep. And again, some of it plays a little too close to home. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. some of it plays a little too real. Yeah. And that, and that's what makes it even better is like, oh, oh, that's going on. Oh, yeah. I see where they're going. So uh, the peripheral, I'd highly recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, I really... Again, I had a hard time recommending it to you, Tony, because I know how you are with time travel, and yeah. I knew there was going to be some tr- shenanigans. And <laughs> but I'm like, no, I really want to. Well, see that's it. one day I did the, or maybe it was one evening I was watching one of the Back to Future movies and <laughs> fell down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out how many DeLoreans existed in 1985, or you know, because there's the one that was. Parked in the cave back in the 1800s. There was so there was yeah. one that was in the 50s. There was so yeah. I, I occasionally fall down yeah. the, the Tony nerdy, and time travel don't mix the nerdy rabbit hole. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. I love time travel. I love time travel stories. I love the idea of time travel. Um, I here's here's a brief aside. Uh, I tend to vision time travel as you could time i believe you could travel back in time mm-hmm. because the past is uh, that timeline is done it's set right i think future time travel becomes much more difficult because the future there's it's so flush. many branches of right. options well and then the, that leads you to the butterfly effect of growing to the past though so yeah <laughs> well the uh what was the uh, there's a recent uh show about time i don't remember now anyway but it totally went through my brain but that's okay because time travel is otherwise fun as long as you don't try yeah, to think about it think about it and just now there are there are some movies out there that do time travel and you're like oh god no no just stop it right there yeah. <laughs> but this one doesn't seem to be that one at all no right now right now it hasn't it hasn't given me well that's like the terminator movies i, I watch the terminator movies and for some reason I don't bump up against the time travel aspects of those movies for the most part. Yeah. And I think it's because they're not so pivotal. I say they're not so pivotal to the story, but <laughs> they don't explain themselves well enough for you to catch them in any sort of contradiction. Sometimes, yeah. Look, you just need to know 
that a big <laughs> robot that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger was sent back in the past to either kill or protect a kid. Yeah, well, either way. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah, don't, don't, don't think it. So, all right, well, let's talk about another nerdy thing. And uh, anybody that considers himself a nerd should be a big fan of Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. And I know, I mean, he had a song, White and Nerdy. I mean, my yeah. son bought the, we went and saw Weird Al in concert. He bought the hood or the hoodie that said White and Nerdy. He wore that for years. And so, yeah. Biggest nerd of all, Weird Al Yankovic. His series or his movie biopic, Weird, the tr- the Weird Al story, right? Phenomenal. It is. It is fantastic. <laughs> and honestly, honestly, when they announced that they were doing a Weird Al biopic, I went, "All right." <laughs> and then they announced Daniel Ratcliffe was playing Weird Al, and I thought, huh? "Okay." <laughs> Oh, and, and he's then, Jack too, by the way. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember Weird Al looking like that. Yeah. But then again, I also don't remember Weird Al uh, having a torrid affair with Madonna, or Madonna became, becoming leader of the uh, yeah. Colombian drug cartel. Yeah. But you know, what do I know? And that's, I think, the brilliant stroke of Weird, the Al Yankovic story, is that it is a parody. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of biopics, okay. we've yeah, had yeah. some phenomenal Academy Award winning, yeah, you know, biopics. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. uh, R- Rocket, Rocket Man, Man. Uh, um, most recently Elvis, Elvis, yeah, you know, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, and and there have been some others, and all of them, for storytelling purposes, shift the timeline on some things. Oh yeah, yeah, embellish, yeah. especially some Rocket Man. Rocket Man did a lot. Yeah, of that. Rocket Man. Rocket Man very obviously did it mm-hmm. and went for a much more fanciful approach yeah. to the story, to the telling of Elton John's story. Yeah, um, Bohemian Rhapsody tried to play it a bit more close to yeah. reality, yeah. but even then, some of the timeline of things there don't things. quite yeah. match up. And that's kind of what Weird Al is doing in this biopic is calling out to the nth degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a funny thing, How you though. You can do a biopic and have it be complete bull. <laughs> yeah, you watch the first section of it, and it's like, okay, he's having a little fun. Like his dad works at the factory. You don't know what they make at the factory, right. but he works at the factory. He wants his son to work there, and it's like, okay, I can see that kind of being somewhat true. And then by the time the movie ends, <laughs> you're like, Weird Al was assassinated in 1985, shortly yeah. <laughs> after winning the like World's Greatest Performer Award <laughs> yeah. uh, because he pissed off the Colombian drug cartel. Exactly, and so and and, and about. <laughs> Halfway what? through, you're realizing, oh, this is a parody of a parody of a parody. I love this, yeah. <laughs> and and that's uh, once I realized what was going. I mean, because it slowly feeds into that. You yeah. know, at first it seems legit, and then you get about to a certain point, like when he says he wants to write real songs, and it becomes "Eat It" is the real song he writes, yeah. and Michael Jackson writes a parody. You're like, that's not how that went. Yeah, <laughs> and then then at that point from yeah, there, then it just after goes that, nuts. It's just it goes completely <laughs> off the rails. I love the fact where he's singing Amish Paradise and the Coolio is in the audience taking notes and just little things like that. And the cast. Let's talk about the cast for this show. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of <sighs> that's what I was just getting ready to mention. Is uh, it, it felt like watching one of the. Um, <clears throat> like airplane movies or naked gun movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you really got to pay attention to the shit going on in the background. Yeah. Because there are a lot of 
pop culture icons, uh-huh. uh, the the one scene in particular is Dr. Demento takes Weird Al to this <laughs> pool party. Which seemed to, like Boogie Nights to me, by the way, yeah, just oh, for a it moment. it was absolutely a Boogie Nights callback. <laughs> yeah. But he, he takes Weird Al to this pool party, and at this pool party, there are a lot of pop culture icons. Mm-hmm. That probably didn't cross paths in real life. Yeah, Salvador Dali, Andy Warhol, uh, Wolfman Jack, uh, Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, <laughs> wait, no, know. Hulk was at the last. But yeah, yeah Pee Wee Herman, um, Al, uh, Alice Cooper. Yeah, Al, yeah. The was it? It wasn't Brian May, was no, it? No, John Queen. Deacon. John Deacon from, from Queen. From Queen. John Deacon. Huh? From uh, Queen. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, a, a group of guys, a group of people that I don't really think actually hung out together, probably not no. at a pool party, yeah. at Dr. Demento's house. Yeah, no. But, and the, but that, I mean, that's the cool thing, the cult pop icon references, but the people playing them. Yeah. I mean, you got Jack Black playing Wolfman Jack. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. You got, well, got Rain Wilson as Dr. Demento. I got such a cool, I got such a, a kick out of, you know, Jack Black playing uh, Wolfman Jack and... Doing the Wolfman Man, Jack yeah, voice, yeah. baby. Hey, you know what? Hello, fellow babies. And he's doing the voice like this. And then Weird Al performs, and he just goes, that is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, he goes like back his, to his normal. Yeah, yeah, he completely dropped the Weird Al voice, or well, dropped the Wolfman Jack voice, baby. Yeah, and it opens up with, uh, uh, well, the whole movie opens up with him dead, coming back to life. And, yeah. then, and then they go, oh, well, I should go back a little yeah, bit. Hang then, on, I should but, probably... the, but the doctor there is Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, from Hamilton fame. I'm like, okay. And then you got, uh, uh, let's see, oh, uh, okay, Jack Black. Then you have, uh, uh, well, the, well, oh, Emo Conan, Phillips, comedian. He's the one who plays Salvador Dali. Uh, Conan O'Brien was, yes. uh, yeah, was Andy Warhol. Yes. Uh, Thomas Lennon, people may know him from Reno 911. That guy's hilarious. Uh, he's he's uh, He sells Weird Al his first accordion uh-huh. and get beats up for it. And that, <laughs> for the most part, is a real story. That is an actual truth in Weird Al's life. He got his first accordion because of a door-to-door salesman. I'll be darned. Well, there's a piece of truth in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, just the 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 uh, oh, and then the oh, what's her name? Uh, Masterson, Mary. Uh, she's the one that plays uh, Madonna. She was in Westworld. She was the uh, girl that broke out of the. Uh, she was the robot that became aware, basically, yeah. in uh, Westworld. Well, and that's uh, you know we were talking about uh, the, the peripheral. Earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We should mention too that Peripheral is from the creators of Westworld. So if you're familiar with Westworld, yeah, you get a little bit of the vibe of how you know, Peripheral. Yeah, you know, that's right. Play. Good point there, because uh, yeah, because that's exactly that's why I watched it. Yeah. I wanted to watch it. But uh, back back to Weird Al. You got like uh, Dimitri Martin. Love that comedian. He was also uh, one of the voices in We Bear Bears animation, which is fun. <laughs> we Bear Bears. I mean, that's a fun show. Paul F. Tompkins plays Gallagher, and I like. There's a, a thing where Gallagher said, "Well, yeah, he's not smashing yeah, water." I, I hear he doesn't even smash anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like what a loser. Uh, oh uh, yeah, Dimitri Martin plays Tiny Tim, which I don't think Tiny Tim ever hung out with any of those people either. So yeah, <laughs> uh, let's see here. I'm trying to find some of the uh, most well names here. I'm going through the list. Seth Green plays a DJ, which, you know, I, sh- I could have played a DJ. <laughs> so, you have before, haven't you? I have. I have. Well, didn't you play a DJ in one of Chad Bryan's films? <laughs> I did. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> but, I mean, the cat, I mean, the first of all, you got the cameos made by the characters, but the cameos of the people playing those characters is even better, yeah. you know? It's just, it's, it's just a whole lot of cinematic gold. <laughs> and apparently, uh, I, I'd, I had seen Weird Al talking about it in an interview after Weird came out, the actress that was playing Madonna mm-hmm. apparently sings like Madonna. Oh, wow. However, they didn't know that at the time. Otherwise, because Weird Al said, 
otherwise we'd have had a we'd have had her sing in yeah. the movie. I was going to say because she didn't been sing. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't sing. And then, oh, the, what, was, what was the name of that punk rock band? The, the, was it something Barf Brothers or something like that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then they, and I, and I love, there's a punk rock scene where they're in a punk rock club. Looks like CBGB's, actually. And uh, that's where Weird Al makes his first appearance. And he gets up on stage with his accordion and starts playing. And Pat and Oswald said in the crowd, <laughs> You suck! <laughs> yeah. And then and he starts playing the accordion, and everybody, then eventually they're, they're like, Oh, this is a great song. And some guy grabs a bartender, You better have ice cream, you know. And then all of a sudden his friends jump up on stage pick up the instruments and at the end of the set he goes I didn't know you guys played instruments well it wasn't relative or relevant until now yeah so. it didn't seem relevant until now <laughs> like uh, oh Will Forte is one of the Scotty bro- Will- Weird Al's in the movie yeah Weird Al is he's in the he's one of the movie. Scotty brothers of course Weird Al is in the movie because <laughs> they needed somebody to play the schmarmy record executive who told them he'd never amount to anything <laughs> yeah. which is absolutely inspired by um, Mike Myers Mm-hmm. Being in oh, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, that's right. Playing the schmarmy record executive who told Freddie Mercury, never "Queen will never amount to anything." Yeah, what in the world is Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> you know. So again, it's a parody of biopics, and it's it's one of those that again, I was hoping that we'd see some good history of Weird Al. I mean, it's all, I'm I'm one of those guys that I like to know. That, oh, sure, that, but. I was more than happy when it turned out to be like it was because it was it was way funnier and I watched half of it and then came to work and told you all about and, and right. was just exulting everything about it and then I got home and got, got to finish it up and when I finished it I did nothing but laugh the whole second well, half. Well, see, and that's uh, Weird Al himself talked about one of the reasons the biopic is done the way it's done is because when it comes to what makes an interesting biopic. Weird Al really hasn't lived that life. Like, his existence has been pretty benign. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know that he had a horribly tumultuous relationship with his parents. You and, mean he didn't uh, kill Pablo Escobar? I don't think he actually oh. killed Pablo Escobar. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that uh, he was in a uh, multi-year uh relationship with madonna <laughs> his dad wasn't really amish although that was the ending at the ending where madonna mm-hmm. comes and visits weird al's grave and she is looking <laughs> like she stepped straight out of a quentin tarantino movie yeah like she came straight out of kill bill yeah big scar on her face An eye, eye patch. patch over one eye it's <laughs> yeah if she had that uh, yellow kung fu suit on that would have been yeah, perfect I, but, I, yeah i lost my mind yeah but and the thing is when he gets assassinated on stage he he wets his pants yeah. <laughs> for no reason. Yeah, for no reason. Just other than other actually, than, wets his pants before he gets assassinated. Yeah, other than I think Weird Al went. This will be funny. <laughs> yeah, and it was. So yeah, so I, I would again another uh, thing that I would highly recommend, especially if you're any kind of nerd at all, and especially if you like if you appreciate any single Weird Al song. Well, and the fantastic thing about the uh, Weird the Al Yankovic story is that it's on Roku, which yes. is a free, free to download app. You can watch the movie for free. There is no subscription or anything required. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. download Roku on whatever smart device you're using, whether it's a smart TV or a Roku stick. It's yeah. already it's there. Already if you've there. Got a Roku. Yeah, it was. So I told I told my son about it. He doesn't have a Roku. I forget what they they use. And he goes, "Well, I'm just going to follow Weird Al's advice." And I was like, "What's that?" He goes, "He told everybody just to pirate it and download it and don't pay for it." There you go. <laughs> I'm like. 
you don't have to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, you do that. But it seems it's on brand for Weird Al to suggest that. Yeah, to pirate something that's already free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's on brand. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's it, being free, I was worried about that aspect of it too. Because it's on a, again, Roku's a free app and it's I, free I, You everything. know, once they announced that Daniel Radcliffe was on board, I'm like, oh, they must actually be spending some money on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I got such a wonderful kick out of uh, Weird Al in an interview uh, was asked, you know, why Daniel Radcliffe? And, you know, because they really don't resemble each other all that much. And Daniel no. Radcliffe is pretty cut. And yeah. <laughs> and Weird Al said, honestly, because based on Daniel Radcliffe's body of work post Harry Potter, <laughs> yeah. he's done yeah. some weird stuff. Swiss Army Man. <laughs> we were pretty sure we could get him to do this. <laughs> well, I think uh, there's an interview with Daniel Radcliffe. He said this is the part. This is the role he was made for all his life. Yeah. I was like, everything Ooh. he's done in his career up to this point has led him <laughs> yeah. to play Weird Al. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. And and after watching, I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> this was your role. And it's just, I mean, it's full of cameos. You you have to. I mean, there I, there were times I went back and froze like in the pool scene, right. Just to see who all's in the background. And there's parts that you you're gonna have to watch it more than once because it's yeah. fun and it's free and it's free. So and I think if you go into it knowing what it is, because <clears throat> that's one of the things I had a hard time pitching it to my wife. Uh, First off, she's never been a huge Weird Al fan. Mm -hmm. And when we were talking about it, uh, initially I'd said, yeah, I think a lot of it's probably just made up. Mm -hmm. And she went, oh, well, if, if, if it were real, I might, I might actually watch it. Then after I watched it, I said, okay, <laughs> what he's doing is a parody of biopic movies. And she went, Oh, well, that makes sense. I might actually watch that. Well, so My wife came out and she watched. I watched it while uh, she was uh, working. She works from home. And then she was back in her office. And she came out one point to get a coffee, cup of coffee or something. And she goes, what are you watching? I said, it was a Weird Al biopic. And she goes, oh. And she just watches a few things. And, and just the beginning of it, you know. And, and she goes, this looks kind of funny. I'm like, yeah. And then she went back to the office. And then from that point on, that's where... Uh, I just start. I couldn't stop laughing. It and was it just, just the whole goes time. off the rail. After yeah, that. and you're just. I mean, you stop. You, I had to pause it one time because I was laughing so hard. And and so then she she after she got off work and it was done. She goes, "Was it really that funny?" And I'm like, "It was it that was. funny." So I don't know if she's going to ever watch it. But well, and I'd like to know the behind the scenes conversations with some of the actors that they had doing cameos. Mm -hmm. Like, is it a hard sell to get Jack Black? to be in your Weird Al biopic? I'm guessing probably not. That's the guy who fronts Tenacious D, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is obviously a parody rock band. Yeah. You know he had to be a, a huge Weird Al fan when he was younger. And you've got guys like Conan O'Brien. I'm guessing very much the same thing. If you grew up in comedy circles, then you know Weird Al is a thing you want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. I just got the uh, the woman's name that plays Madonna, Evan Rachel Wood. And I, okay. uh, I, I couldn't remember her name, and it was killing me, so I had to look it up. But Evan Rachel Wood, she was in Westworld. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, really, I, I was looking – again, you got Diedrich Bader doing the narration at the beginning of it from Napoleon Dynamite and other things. Yeah. Uh, With Drew a Carey deep show. voice like this. Yeah. That was the one that was throwing me off. The narrator, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> – I don't remember Weird Al ever sounding like that. Yeah, exactly. This is my life. Anyway, uh, yeah, he, but uh, yeah, Diedrich Bader, you got Rain Wilson from The Office, you've got uh, uh, Patton Oswalt, you've got uh, these other comedians. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's easy to get those guys. The one that just doesn't stand out right, 
and but again, compared to what he's recently done, is Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, he's like, why him? And then you really look at the Swiss Army Man. Yeah, <laughs> he's done some weird stuff. Yeah, and so that makes sense now. But right Harry Potter, no, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I could, and all these people, you know, I would even say they probably would say, ah, oh, you don't even have to pay me. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. Because, again, it's on Roku, so nobody's getting paid. <laughs> yeah, nobody's getting paid a bunch. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just think it was, a, it was like a big party, big fun time for everybody, and just it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so i definitely give it as many thumbs up as I could. Yeah, definitely check out Weird, the Al Yankovic story on Roku. Yeah, and uh, and also on Amazon, check out The Peripheral. Those are our two recommendations for the week. Yeah. And we'll find more. And then if you're a Star Trek fan like me, they just <laughs> dropped new season, uh, new episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. How is that, on by Paramount. the way? It is, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's Star Trek. But Nickelodeon done, Star Trek. It's Nickelodeon Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So it is very much designed for a younger demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, you know, not... The target demo right, yeah. for uh, Star Trek Prodigy, but mm. I'm a Star Trek nerd, so I watch it. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's it's fun. They're telling an interesting story. The art style is very, very uh, Star Wars, Clone Wars. Yeah, 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 very much so. kind of got that That's art, the art style yep. in it. So, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, it's got the voice of Captain Janeway. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You got there's a real tie to Star Trek, not absolutely, just an and it takes place in like a weird part of the Star Trek universe too. So it's not yeah, necessarily... it's hard to tell where it is and the time. Actually, it is, it is post Star Trek dis, um, Voyager. Yeah, it's post Voyager because she is Vice Admiral yeah. Catherine Janeway. Yeah, and she's actually in it, not just uh, the hologram representation of her. But Captain Janeway, or oh. Vice Admiral Janeway, is actually in it. Now they're off to search for Prodigy, because apparently Prodigy was an experimental aircraft that Starfleet was working on oh. that Captain Chakotay yeah, yeah. was at the helm of when it disappeared. Oh, and then He was headed they... back to the Delta Quadrant, okay. and that's when Prodigy disappeared. Well, that makes sense why it's on a weird part of the universe, because it's, a... it's in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's it. By the way, you uh, hear that Captain Janeway got a statue in Bloomington, Indiana, oh, one yeah. of our neighbors. I want to yeah. go there. I want to go visit it just just for that reason. I've been yeah. to Bloomington several times. The Indiana Toy and Comic Expo is always there every year, and I go, I've go. i been there a few times. But now I want to go just to see the statue. Right. We might have to make a road trip. Yeah. So And it's a statue of Captain Janeway, yeah. too, not Catherine Mulgrew. Right, right, yeah. So. <laughs> she uh, uh, she actually went when they unveiled it. So, Well, you know what? That wraps up another episode of the Nerd Up Podcast. Uh, let's just tell people, buy our T-shirts, cafepress.com slash nerd up podcast and uh we'll do this again next week tony absolutely all right uh, that's it uh thanks for joining us and uh, like we say at the end of every episode stay, stay nerdy, nerdy. Have you ever wondered what makes Eagle Theater possible? It's you. In a world of Netflix, Amazon Prime, and YouTube, it's your loyalty to Eagle Theater that makes first-run movies here a thing. And we want to say thank you with the annual popcorn bucket. Buy the annual bucket and you're set to save. When you buy the bucket, we'll fill it for free. And each time you come back for another visit, we'll fill it for just $3.50. Buy the bucket, support the Eagle Theater, and save.